Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Monday morning. And for the Lakers and the Bucks, for completely different reasons, it is the sun coming up over lower Manhattan. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin with you here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The fellas are off today. It's a pleasure to be joined by the 11-year NFL veteran Bart Scott, Ravens, Jets, host of his own show with Alan Hahn on our New York affiliate 98.7, Barton Hahn, 11 to 1, but no two-a-days today for Bart, right? You're off today? Not at all, man. They, they called me up from the G League. They say, need you to go holler at your boy Zubin. <laughs> Re- respect for the uh, do-rag the other day, too, man. I appreciate it. I'm still living that down. Two-way contract with the uh, two-way here on the G League for Bart. So let's get right into the hoop since you want to go from the G League to the NBA. It seems like the right ascension for you to make, and it's great to have you here. We'll be with you for all four hours like we normally are. It's a football week, by the way. NFL back right in your wheelhouse. Thursday, Texans, Chiefs. Key will be here to break it down tomorrow. We'll get plenty of NFL talk from you today. So you're getting rid of me tomorrow? Man, I can't even (laughs) hang around for another day. It's a short time. Short time deal. You're always welcome here. So LeBron is welcome in a club that I think he's going to be in a club of one The next win the Lakers have in the playoffs, LeBron will be the NBA's all-time playoff wins leader. Right now he's sharing it with uh, Derek Fisher, another (laughs) Lakers legend who has been there for a lot of big wins. But you imagine it's going to come later this week, might even come tomorrow. So he's in a class by himself. He has a ridiculous game, one assist shy of a triple-double. On the other side, and the Lakers are able to even the series. On the other side, Giannis goes down with the Bucks in a 3-0 hole. No team has ever rallied from 3-0 down. 0-139, by the way, in NBA history. <laughs> but Giannis said a couple days they said ago. They got a chance. They, they, we do have a chance. There's no question about it. But Giannis said the other day, if there's any team that's built to do it, believe it or not, Bart, he said his guys were. He goes down, sprained right ankle. Middleton steps up. Is he really a two? Can he be Giannis's wingman? He proved his worth yesterday, so he had two big wins for two big franchises. The all-Kareem final is still possible between the Lakers <laughs> and the Bucks. Let's start with the Lakers. What yeah. are your thoughts? They just, you know, they stumbled against Portland in Game 1, yep. figured it out, stumbled against the Rockets in Game 1, and they figured it out. Well, I, I think really what happened is the, the fact that they were able to really get out and transition, get those easy buckets, and it seemed like the Houston Rockets had to work for it. And the fact that they were able to switch up their defense from zone, matchup man, I think caused a lot of confusion. And the fact that Westbrook was, I mean, he was horrible. I mean, we had this thing where we talk about being, um, being in a rush, being moving quickly but not being in a rush. Right. And he was rushed. And he made a lot of bad turnovers that led to free transition points you know, for the Lakers. And, it, and if they're going to give him that shot, he's got to be able to knock some down. And if not – he needs to not be at the top of the key. He needs to be flashing to the middle because we know he has one of the shots that he's really comfortable with is that bank shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That he likes to go when he gets on the wing and he, and he got some nice little bank shot. But, I mean, they were baiting him to take that shot. You would think that Rondo was Westbrook <laughs> and Westbrook was Rondo. I mean, because, you know, you, you saw that, that shot where it's like the, the, red, the red sea had parted. <laughs> and, you know, there's nobody even in the screen. LeBron's playing in between the lane and playing the wing, you know, for the corner three. And, and, he, and he's shooting some shots and, like, the ball and the, they played actually better when, when it was just Tucker and he was out of the game because the floor was wide open. It allowed Harden to be able to work in the middle. But also, you know, they had shooters out there so that Harden was doing a tremendous job. They kept blitzing him at the top of the key and he was making the right plays. But with Westbrook there, you don't have that threat for that shot. So then whoever's playing, Westbrook is playing off and just clogging the lane and helping out. To your point, Westbrook did say after the game he played terrible. He's going to have to go to the film. He actually had more turnovers 
than assists. So that's something that's certainly on the top of his mind at this particular point. And I think the old phrase you were looking for, it's the old John Wooden phrase, be quick, but don't hurry. Yes, right? exactly. Be quick, but don't hurry. Let's hear from Just LeBron. Just to me in front of my mother, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good morning, Mama. Good to have you with us listening on this Labor Day morning. LeBron James, down the stretch, said this was a different Laker team. Started the fourth quarter, 80s on the bench, and uh, you know my teammates looked at me to try to be aggressive, either getting myself shots or getting my teammates shots. And uh, you know I got an opportunity to see a couple seams, able to attack the rim, um, you know, and also find a couple guys um, as well. So you know, um, like I say, every possession dictates uh, different results, and uh, I was able to capitalize on a few of them. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Kendrick Perkins, who will talk a little hoops with us coming up at 7.15 a.m. Eastern. We'll see what Big Perk thinks about what's going on in the NBA. A couple games tonight as well with the Raptors and the Celtics. Game 5 series tied at 2 and the Clippers and the Nuggets in Game 3 of the series tied at 1. Let's switch to the other series because this is the one that really got Key and Jay going all week because they were one of the first guys. Everybody's sort of latched onto it. It's become a really big story over the last four or five days exactly how great Giannis is and what his impact is going to be. Now, it's a silly question, Barb, because he's probably going to win his second MVP. Right. and he's going to, So he's going to go back-to-back MVP, yep. Defensive Player of the Year, which he's already won, and we're questioning this guy's worth, right? Yep. So it's a little strange if you have that sort of resume that we're wondering what kind of player you are. But the bottom line, he goes down in the second quarter, sprained right ankle. Chris Middleton, who everybody's wondering, is he a legit <laughs> two? He steps up. He has the best game of his playoff yeah. career. And suddenly the Bucks are right back in this thing. I want to say, quote unquote, right back in this thing. Yeah. Um, because if Giannis comes back healthy, it's, it's not impossible. It's a 3-0 deficit. But at the same token, if you're Milwaukee, nobody's really thinking about you at this particular point. Everybody's like the heater built. Yeah. You know, why did the Sixers let Jimmy Butler go? All the narratives yeah. are going there. Uh, and Mike Budenholzer essentially said, we'll see how Giannis feels. Uh, he didn't promise anything. Chris was phenomenal. You know, he's such a great player, makes big shots, make big decisions. You know, and I thought guys stepped up around him. You know, Brooke, Dante, Bled, George, all those guys made enough plays around Chris. So, but certainly the ball was in Chris's hands a lot. He did a lot of great things. But you're not going to be able to win it all the way with Chris. So you need Giannis back. What do you think he's thinking right now? Take me inside the mind of an athlete. We win without me. I'm the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Now I got to come back. They're clearly better with me than right. without me. It's just one silly game. <laughs> but take me inside the mind of an athlete. What's he thinking right now? Well, he wants to. He wants to be back, and I'm sure he's going to fight to come back. But I don't know if I put him back um, because he is the franchise. What happened was, I believe that when when you lose a superstar, every other player that we think are have accomplished things in this league, like like Bledsoe. You know, you think about Hill. I mean, come on, Lopez back at the low post, right? That's a place where he was comfortable at. He dominated that. You know, he's been able to evolve and adjust his game to become a modern big and be able to stretch out and shoot the three, but he can be dominant on the low post. So what happens when Giannis is not there, it opens the court up for everybody, and the ball goes where the ball is supposed to go. When you're going against a superstar, you're trying to stop that superstar and make the others beat you, but it's hard for those others to beat you because they're not going to be in rhythm because they haven't taken any shots during the game, you know, but what happened when he left, the ball went where it's supposed to go. Then now you see Bledsoe being able to be aggressive with the ball. Sometimes Giannis can be ball dominant because he's not a guy that you give the ball on the wing and he creates. He's not a creator. You know, he's a guy that's just hard to stop, hard to get stop from getting to the rim. You have to devise this defense that makes this picket fence to stop him from getting to the rack. 
But outside of that, you know, he's not a guy that really facilitates and really creates a lot for other players. When he's not there, it opens the court up. The ball goes where it's supposed to go. Guys who are supposed to take the shot, the, the ball movement is better, and, and they play better team basketball, pretty much how the Heat are. The Heat, even though Jimmy Butler is a good basketball player, he's not really what we consider one of these top ten superstars, but they, the ball moves left to right all around, and the ball goes to who it's supposed to go to. I'm glad you mentioned Jimmy Butler. After the game, he was asked, did their trademark Miami Heat relentlessness, <clears throat> was that – hitting the skids in the latter stages of the game, particularly the second Giannis went out. We did what I always say we can't do, which is, is get comfortable. Um, we thought this one was going to be easy, and it, it was not. You know, you can say all that you want to say. We knew what we had to do coming into this game. So going into the next one, you know, we just got to put them away. I guess that would be a yes after Giannis <laughs> left the Bucks game in the See, second but, quarter. Uh, athletes just used that one. They didn't let it up. The ball moved, and it became, they became a more difficult team to defend. It had nothing to do with the fact that they let that they took the foot off the gas. The fact was the floor opened up and it became more difficult and the role players became who they've been before. We always say play to the back of your baseball card or play to the back of your basketball card. When Giannis wasn't there, they became the stars that they were there that they were before they got Giannis. Very fair. After Giannis left the Bucks game in the second quarter, Chris Middleton provided a fresh look. A fresh look is brought to you by Sport Clips. It's a new season at Sport Clips Haircuts. All stylists are clean certified and guy smart. Real quick last thing. Budenholzer said uh, after game one, I'm not playing anybody more than 35, 36 minutes. <laughs> this just took me as a fan. Like, take me inside the mind of an athlete. We're not traveling in yeah. the bubble. And when you're traveling, you're going charter Ritz-Carlton four seasons, but you're not traveling. Right, right. You got rest between games. LeBron said the other day, I got nothing to do between games. I'm not doing anything <laughs> ice, in the bubble. Just ice and recover. Yeah, so I'm playing 35-36. Look, your season's on the line. You're in the Eastern Conference semifinals. I'm not saying you go 48 minutes for seven games. I, I realize that's crazy. Right. But why would Budenholzer, the Bucks coach, essentially say, I'm not willing to play anybody more than 35 or 36 minutes per game? I mean, I think it's closed mind. If you got somebody that's hot, you got to go to your horse sometimes and say, look, I need you to. I need you to push. I need. Listen, we'll, we'll rest tomorrow because if we don't lose today. We're going home, right. so you're gonna have all the rest you need. I don't know where he gets that one from. Coach speak. Maybe he wants to protect some of his players. But if I'm if I'm the star on that team, I'm doing whatever it takes. Still to come. Often not said. The biggest story in the sports world yesterday may have been something that happened at a tennis match <laughs> with no fans. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about with Djokovic. But we'll tell you why that's hardly the first time an outburst like that has happened. Everybody's saying, I've never seen anything like it. We'll have a couple examples of why it's happened before. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Let's run through it from A to Z brought to you by Redbox. Redbox has something for everyone, along with a new comedy that can't be missed. Rent the King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson and directed by Judd Apatow. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Without the reigning MVP and maybe the MVP to be, the Bucks avoiding elimination. They don't get swept. The Heat, basically, along with Jimmy Butler said, they let their foot off the gas. Giannis left with a right ankle injury in the second quarter. Chris Middleton stepped up huge down the stretch. Will Giannis play in game number five, Tuesday at 6.30 Eastern? Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer said, quote, we'll just see how he does. Tonight, Raptors, Celtics, game five, Clippers, Nuggets, game three. Look at that ball move. Look at that ball move. If you're watching on ESPN News, Bart is very impressed with the ball movement of the Bucks. Where has that been for the first three games of the series? Low pass goes down low? Oh, my God. I've never (laughs) seen that before. Bart is certifiably stunned. I think most people are, too, because the Heat should have wrapped it up without Giannis out there. 2020 has been a really tough year for those that we lost in sports, news, and entertainment. And another giant has left. Baseball lost a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest base stealers in the history of our national pastime. Lou Brock died Sunday at 81. He helped St. Louis win three pennants, two World Series titles way back in the 1960s. He retired in 1979 as a single season and all-time leader in stolen bases, which you don't see very much in baseball anymore. Marks that were since surpassed by, of course, the great Ricky Henderson. Lou Brock was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1985. And what has to be the strangest story of the day and maybe the week in sports, and that's saying something in 2020, top-seeded Novak Djokovic out of the U.S. Open after hitting a line judge with a ball in a fit of rage he quote-unquote defaulted is the technical term during his fourth-round match against Pablo Carreño Busta. Now, I will say that the lines person is doing okay. I'm going to have Joker's Instagram post here in a second. But in short form, he said he wanted to take this incident that I'm sure you've seen on social media or on your television a bunch of times by now and, quote, turn all this into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player and human being all right, Bart. I want to get your thoughts on this because I don't think you have to be a big tennis fan, and we don't talk a ton of tennis. We talk a ton of football because yeah. football starts Thursday. Key and Jay will be back tomorrow. We'll get ready for the I Texans and the Chiefs. Con- I play tennis in high school, man. You. Could- I don't want to take it away from you. Concrete yeah. courts, you said, right? We yeah, it was hor- yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you chose the right sport. I think it turned out okay for you. So, bottom line, um, just as a sports fan, not as a uh, tennis analyst or anything, when you yeah. see an issue. Or an incident like this, keep in mind a little context here. Djokovic was going for uh, a remarkable season, even by his perspective. He had not lost all year long. We didn't have the French Open. We didn't have Wimbledon. He was going to cruise and win this. And you're taking a look at it here on ESPN News. I'm sure you saw it on social media. So not only is his year marred, not only does his reputation take a hit, um, then this happens. Your just thoughts, your first blush thoughts. Anybody that I speak to, I would just say your first blush thoughts on this. I don't think that the dis- I don't think that the discipline really matches the action. Listen, this wasn't done intentionally, and I understand what the rules are, but sometimes you have to be able to interpret them and understand that this was not something that was done. He was frustrated. I've seen hundreds of matches, and I've seen hundreds of tennis players do that, make that same frustration, break their rackets, and really not you know pay attention to what's going around him. He was locked in. He was frustrated. He hit the ball, and unfortunately, it went and it hit the, it hit the um, lady in her throat. Um, and we hope that she's fine, but I don't think he should have been suspended. You know, I think he showed the right level of empathy, but he just had a, a tough, he's had a tough off season, you know, going back to what happened when COVID first came out and all the things that he's been through. This is one that's going to be regrettable, but I don't think, I do, and, and as a competitor, I don't want to lose that way. 
I don't want to win that way. I'm sorry. I don't want to win that way. I don't want to win because somebody defaulted in a technicality. I want to lose on a, a win on the court. Karenia Busta obviously moving on because of that. I'm going to give you Novak's Instagram statement here in a second because if you're getting buried like this by most of America, at least if you do apologize, you should have the ability to have it all stated. But to your quick point, for those that may not be familiar, Djokovic is probably the most prominent sportsman in the world. And I don't say this lightly, the most prominent sportsman in the world that has come out against the coronavirus vaccine, saying if eventually there is a vaccine formed in England, the United States, China, whoever does come up with a vaccine, that he will not take it. He's got a couple of kids. Their kids will not take it. Uh, And also he put together a tennis tournament in his native Serbia in which people were ignoring social distancing rules. Essentially, he was then diagnosed with COVID-19, as was his wife, Yelena. So that's one of those things where you're right. You know, uh, Novak uh, Djokovic invited um, Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets there. He ended up getting COVID-19 because of it as well. So that's just an important point. This is the apology. This was on Instagram. And I think we really have to say it. Quote, this is from Djokovic. This whole situation has left me really sad and empty. I checked on the lines person and the tournament told me that, thank God she is feeling okay. I'm extremely sorry to have caused such stress. So unintended, so wrong. I'm not disclosing her name to respect her privacy. As for the disqualification, I need to go back within and work on my disappointment and then turn this all into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player and a human being. I apologize to the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament and everyone associated for my behavior. I'm very grateful to my team and family for being my rock support and my fans for always being there with me. Thank you, and I'm so sorry. I wanted to quickly mention, real quick, Bart said this has happened before because this is not being mentioned. Denis Shapovalov defend, uh, defaulted a Davis Cup match. This, of course, this guy is not mm. as well-known as Novak Djokovic. Right. Probably the first time in the history of ESPN Denis Shapovalov's name has been mentioned. <laughs> but he defaulted a Davis Cup match in 2017 when he got into a fit of rage, racket hit a ball, and hit a chair umpire, and it fractured the chair umpire's orbital bone. Wow. And then David Nalbandian at the Queens Club, which is sort of a tune-up for Wimbledon back in 2012, he hit a wooden advertising box where they put all the slogans and stuff, and then a shard of it actually came off and hit a linesman sitting there. So again, not unprecedented, but for somebody of his ilk that, as you mentioned, that has not had a great year, uh, this has been mentioned before. If I'm a tennis fan, I kind of understand he's a little bit of an ornery guy, but if I'm not a tennis fan and all I see are headlines about these sorts of things, it kind of puts him in a negative light if you've never watched the game of tennis, but these are just the headlines that you see. Yeah, pers- perspective is reality sometimes, and you know he's got to do a little bit to polish up his image. But I don't think that was done intentionally. You can see that he was contrite, he was empathetic. You know, as soon as he saw, it, he wasn't even looking. He was looking down, just swung at the ball, frustration. Unfortunately, it went to the wrong place, and it cost him an opportunity for a championship. No question about it. Still to come, Patrick Mahomes got paid. Mahomes big. Deshaun Watson got paid. How much money is going to be on the field Thursday night when those two face? But our NFL insider doesn't want to talk about Mahomes and Watson specifically. He wants to talk about another quarterback that gained a starting job over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And our expert has no idea why in the world it (laughs) happened. We'll talk about that next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, 
so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. With the 11-year NFL veteran Bart Scott, I'm Zubin Mahenti. Key and Jay will be back tomorrow. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And let's head straight to the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. We're joined by front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, there's so much to get to as we get forward and we get moving to Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, all the quarterback talk in a second. I want to talk about a quarterback that obviously is inextricably linked with those two guys, but has a little lower wattage, and that's Mitchell Trubisky, named the starter by Matt Nagy for the Bears over the weekend. Just your general thoughts and your opinion on Trubisky winning the job at what it means and Foles not being able to win the job and what it means. Yeah, Zoom, I was really disappointed and surprised by the decision. Mitchell Trubisky does not give them the best chance to win. And if I know that he's 30th in the NFL in yards per pass attempt, I promise you the opposing defensive coordinators of the Bears know that as well. And when the field shrinks because you can't get the ball down the field, it's a lot, lot harder to have a successful offense. So I think this was a mistake on a number of levels. Admit you're wrong. Nick Foles, look, he has holes in his game, but 71 career touchdowns, 35 interceptions, Super Bowl winners, played well in big games. In my mind, he clearly gave the Bears the best chance to win. Uncle Mike. Uncle TB, as I like to call you affectionately, God, thank you for everything that you bought for me. But come on, man. Have we seen Nick Foles outside of a Philadelphia Eagles uniform perform at a high level? I mean, he lost his he lost his job last year to a dude in jean shorts. I mean, that's disrespectful right there. Then the fact that he can't beat out Mitchell Trubisky should be an indictment on him. We saw um, uh, St. Louis Rams, Nick Foles. We saw Jacksonville, Nick Foles. We saw Kansas City, Nick Foles. So I think really Mitchell Trubisky gives you at least something that Nick Foles can't give you, and that's the ability to really hold the backside defensive end and the backside linebacker. If Nick Foles can't beat out Mitchell Trubisky, who pretty much they've given up on if they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, then I think that's more of an indictment. We should be disappointed at Nick Foles and not disappointed at the Chicago Bears. You, you know, Bart, one of the many great things you did for us at the Jets is I always had to look people like you in the eye who are – great players who cared deeply and said, hey, I was doing everything within reason to give the organization a chance to win each and every day. I don't care if I had to draft them, cut them, whatever it was. And again, leadership comes back to uh, back to saying, I made a mistake. And Nick Foles, again, isn't great, but here's what he does do, Bart. He walks in with a Super Bowl ring 
And we could talk about last year what happened with Gardner Minshew. He did get hurt, and he has flaws in his game, but he can get the ball down the field. He can stretch a defense. He can make plays with his feet. He does have basketball in his background. So, again, I'm not saying he's elite, but when you look at their careers back-to-back, in my mind, his skill set is clearly better than that of Trubisky. So is it time to get rid of Mitchell? Right? Is it time to get rid of Mitchell and give up on him? Or could he have a, a, a rebirth pretty much like how Ryan Tannehill had if they can really build a system, a scheme around him? We understand that he's never going to be a traditional drop-back quarterback, but what he can do is be a guy that can thrive off play action and a guy that can maybe you can create some windows for him to throw through with your, with your play design, whether it's RPOs, you know, putting the ball in the belly, because that's really what Nick Foles has been super successful with, but he's never a threat to really run. Mitchell Trubisky is a threat to run. Yeah, those are all really fair points, but I think if I'm the Bears and I'm drafting in the NFC North and I look at the quarterbacks, you have a Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers, a really good quarterback in Matt Stafford. Kirk Cousins, despite all the debate about him, went down and beat the Saints in a playoff game a year ago. So they're clearly the fourth best team in terms of quarterback play. So their formula to win is going to have to be play exceptional defense. And again, I, I think Foles gives them a better chance to win because he can get the ball down the field. And as you know, Bart, as a linebacker, if you feel like the opposing team can't get the ball down the field, it just helps your spacing quite a bit. So despite Trubisky's athleticism, I would still go with Foles. And you bring up an interesting point. The quarterback position fundamentally is a developmental position. And I look at somebody like Jameis Winston. I think he did a great job this year. He's investing one year of his career in Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And hopefully for Jameis, that will pay off for you know five years, ten years. And Trubisky may have to go someplace else to resurrect his career. You mentioned Jameis and where he is at this particular point, and that's where I want to bring you with the Saints. We're being joined by ESPN front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. Explain to everybody in the audience what exactly the Saints were trying to do with regard to getting Jadavion Clowney and the complexities in this very strange deal that the NFL nixed. Yeah, we, we saw that a couple of years ago with Brock Osweiler being traded from Houston to Cleveland. And basically, Zubin, what was trying to happen was another team would sign Jadavion Clowney to a contract that included a signing bonus. When a signing bonus is paid by a team, they pay the cash. That amount of money hits their salary cap. He has to be on your roster for 24 hours, and then you could trade that player. When you trade that player, if that player has guaranteed money, that guaranteed money would travel from Team A to Team B. So apparently what was going on was since the Saints didn't have that extra salary cap room, some other team would absorb the initial salary cap hit and then trade the rest of the contract. And then presumably what was reported, the Saints would have given up a second round pick for the first team to absorb part of the contract. Very creative. It's been done to a certain extent in the past. Um, I don't know exactly where things broke down. I know the league office, generally speaking, doesn't like teams to trade picks for cap room because that goes against the fundamental idea of what the system's about. Um, those are hard deals to get done because you have to get a deal done with the agent and the other team. So um, it's creative. It's interesting. But ultimately, you know, he turned out to be a titan. Well, ultimately, I think Jadavion Clowney did the best thing for Jadavion Clowney. Not the best uh, move for him to win a Super Bowl, but I think this was the best move because we've seen Jadavion Clowney in a 3-4 and a 4-3. I think with Vrabel, this gives him a lot more um, ability to really have an outstanding year. We talk about, you know, the year he had with Vrabel in Houston where he had nine sacks. 
you know, the difference between Clowney and in a three four and a four three to me are, are night and day as far as his disruption, his ability to show off all his guy given gifts, his ability to drop in coverage, his ability to be put inside, his ability to win those one on one matchups when it's five against um, five against five opposed to four against five, where guys can scheme up against him and, and take him out of his game a bit. Bart, I totally agree. When you look at that defense, the fact that they have so many players that have versatility that could drop athletic. I think their front seven has, like, there's another player that we don't talk enough about, Jeffrey Simmons, who I think will be really disruptive inside. He replaces Jarrell Casey, who was a number one pick a year ago. But you're right. Someone like Clowney, the fact that he could actually drop in coverage is remarkable given his size. And as you know, Bart, that just really makes protections on the other side so hard because you don't know who to slide to. You don't know where the overload's going to come from. So the fact that Mike Grable had him before, we've talked about this quite a bit, guys. This is the offseason of familiarity, and the fact that Clowney has been with Rayville for gives him the best chance to be successful, given the fact that they'll be together for maybe two to three practices before opening day. With that being said, uh, what do we expect out of Clowney, but also what do we expect about, uh, about the Titans? Now they put another premier pass rusher. This is a team that was one game away from the, uh, you know, the championship. Where does this put the Titans, and how does this move affect the uh, AFC South? Yeah, Bart, to me, they are uh, right there. They should win the AFC South. I think Kansas City is clearly the best team. And then I have Tennessee slightly ahead of Baltimore. I think Clowney, when healthy, can be productive. This is a team that can pass the score with Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, a number of weapons. They can run to win with Derrick Henry. And as you know, Bart, the two things you need to do in our league to play effective defense is rush the passer and can you play man-to-man on the back end and they have two really good players in their secondary in Adoree Jackson, who to me is a little bit of an underrated corner. He's a little undersized, but he's a great athlete. And then Kevin Byard, who's one of the most underrated players in all football, a very productive safety. safety. So I think they check all the boxes, and I really like the Titans. Last thing for Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider over the weekend, Deshaun Watson got a much-deserved, incredible deal from the Texans. And I wonder your thoughts on that, and then – the impact that that deal might have on that other quarterback in the state of Texas, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Well, first of all, I thought it was a win-win for all the things that Houston got wrong in terms of their front office this offseason, losing their best player in DeAndre Hopkins, overpaying Laramie Tunsil, absorbing David Johnson's contract. They should get credit for doing a really good contract with two years to go for Deshaun Watson and locking up a great player, a great person, a great leader, Those players never, ever leave your locker room. From Watson's standpoint, why I like the deal is it's discernibly shorter than Patrick Mahomes. So barring something unforeseen, guys, Watson will get another bite of the apple. So I really like that from his standpoint. Now, as it relates to Dak Prescott, this will turn out to be about a $40 million mistake by the Dallas Cowboys. A year ago, that market for quarterbacks was somewhere between $32 to $33 million a year. Goff once there was a handful of quarterbacks that Prescott clearly fit into. For whatever reason, Jerry Jones rewarded Zeke Elliott for going to Cabo and holding out. <laughs> now you fast forward to next year. That contract has to be at least $40 million a year. So in a five, six-year extension, they're overpaying by about $8 million a year, which is a huge amount of money when you think about what else you can get for $40 million, how many different ways you could help your team. So I think it was a big strategic planning mistake by the Cowboys 
to wait for Watson, to wait for Mahomes, because the market has only gotten up. But what does that tell you, Uncle TB? That tells you that they aren't sold on Dak Prescott as being elite. They think he's good. They don't know if he's great. They don't know if he's generational. They don't understand. If, they don't think that he's still in the same breath as a Deshaun Watson. You know, we, we've seen that he hadn't been considered elite until he got Amari Cooper, right? He has the best offensive line. He has the best running back, you know, led the league two years um, in, in rushing, right? He has a, 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 a plethora of just weapons all around him. So is it Dak Prescott or is it the pieces around him? Because you understand that when you pay that quarterback that money, he's got to be, your words, a, a force multiplier, right? He has to be somebody that's going to elevate talent that isn't as good as what he's used to working with. We saw that happen with the Legion of Boom when Russell Wilson had to make guys that we didn't know were household names, household names, right? So is Dak Prescott that type of quarterback? And I would think that if he doesn't prove that he is that quarterback and they, and they get knocked out or bounced early by, you know, Tampa, if Tampa is like the wild card and they got to face Tampa, then you may get some consideration that, hey, maybe this Cam Newton guy up in New England on a one-year contract may take – $35 million, and what would that look like with Cam Newton in that Dallas Cowboy hmm. uniform? Wow. Yeah, Bart, I guess I see that a little bit differently. If we were running a business, and I said we could get somebody that was really smart, mm-hmm. really reliable, really productive, who was a great teammate, wouldn't we sign up for that? And that's exactly what Dak Prescott is. He's won a playoff game. He's durable. He's done everything that's been asked of him except get paid. And let's remember that the Dallas Cowboys tried to trade up for Paxton Lynch and couldn't get him. And I've hit on quarterbacks. I've missed on quarterbacks. It's hard to get it right. And you can let Dak Prescott graduate, no problem. But then think about all the resources it's going to take to get his replacement. And, oh, by the way, when you get his replacement, let's hope that replacement is as good as Dak Prescott. Because even if he's not elite, it could go the other way really quick. And you can look at teams like Washington – when Kirk Cousins leaves, think about all the resources it took for them to find Dwayne Haskins, who everyone hopes and believes will be good one day, but there's still a lot of question marks about him. So my point is, you have a good, solid player who's high character, who you've won with, build around him, make sure he doesn't leave, because if he does, it could look a whole lot worse. You just said, good player, Uncle TB. That quarterback position, you got to be great. You got to be elite. You didn't say elite. You said good player. That's a that's a nice way to say that hey she got a nice personality. That's not saying that she's fine. You want to fi- you want your quarterback to be fine. And I don't know if Dak Prescott is fine. Last year I was on record saying that the Dallas Cowboys will win as many games as they won last year with Teddy Bridgewater and people laughed me off the set of get up. And then Teddy Bridgewater came in and just won five games with the Saints. Listen, you should be able to be a great quarterback with these type of weapons. You got Gallup, CD Lamb. You got the best offensive line. You got the best running back. What can you do when you don't have those pieces? Can you still be elite like we see Aaron Rodgers? You know, we, we call him a bad man because he's throwing to people that we've never heard of. Right, but Bart, if it was so easy to get these quarterbacks, why are so many teams struggling with quarterbacks? Why does Arizona take a quarterback in the top 10 and Josh Rosen keep him for a year and move on? I, I understand what you're saying, but until you find somebody else that you could plug in and win a playoff game as a starting NFL quarterback, paying good and maybe overpaying good slightly, knowing that it may cost you a safety or a guard, I'll live with that versus not knowing what I have. And again, there's a lot of teams, Jacksonville, we could go right through the list, that would say, wow, 
And this is what free agency is all about, which is Dak Prescott saying, if you don't want to pay me, somebody will, because there's just not enough good to very good quarterbacks out there. That's fair enough. It's the most important position in sports, and I guess you have to hope that good will indeed be good enough. Mike, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Zubin. And Bart, always good to be with you, my man. Always a pleasure. Reunion, great stuff. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. It's great to have Bart Scott in for the fellas today. It's also great to be Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he's got $111 million mm. guaranteed. That's what the deal will essentially pay him. 111 mil guaranteed with Mike saying he could be up for some big money again later. And that could be sooner rather yes. than later. But Watson wanted to make it clear at his press conference announcing the new deal. Yeah, 111 is a lot of money, but it ain't all about the money. The money is, is amazing. Um, it's life-changing. It's great. But the biggest thing is for the Minaire family, OB, Jack, to just trust in me and believe in me. You know, I'm their guy. I'm their quarterback. It's the biggest thing that really touches me. You know, growing up from where, I, where I'm from, there's not too many people to make it out. And so, I mean, for them to just trust me, I mean, it means the most. So that, that's the biggest thing. The contract, I knew it was, that was going to take care of itself. My biggest focus was the locker room and just my performance on the field. I mean, that's been something that really just got me from just really all the negative stuff that we had experienced growing up. Man, that is... That is something. You hear the last part of that, just losing it with his voice there. Well, you know, like when he got paid, I think he felt validated, but he also felt wanted and saying, hey, this this, this organization is going to invest in me long term. But also just think about where he's come from. I mean, listen, talk about 30 for 30s. I mean, if he's ever able to get a a championship – I mean, a 30 for 30 would be right on time for him because just think where he's coming from. Coming from Warwick Dunn, giving him his mom a house. Habitat for humanity. Habitat for humanity, building a house for him and his mom, and for him uh, to really just persevere and just be a winner everywhere he went. And even, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say a first-round draft pick has a chip on his shoulder, but just think about all the teams that passed on him and not thinking all he did was win. Everywhere he's gone, all he did was win. And, it, you know, it's a moment of reflection at that time when you get that big contract. They say, hey, they love me. You know what I mean? But now he has to go on the field and try and prove it. And also, this is him, you know, saying, you know what? Don't give me a long-term contract because if you guys don't get it right, I won't have options to get out of here because you guys, I'm sure, have made promises. I mean, listen, he should have filed felony charges for what that organization did for him (laughs) with the offensive line they put in front of him his first couple years. And he just endured. And finally, they did the right thing by him. And I'm one of the very few people that feel like they got better by getting rid of Hopkins. Not that he wasn't a great player. But I felt like you had to get more good players. Sometimes uh, three good players are better than one great player. And the fact that now they have team speed that can get and open the, the, the field up for, for Watson allows them to also be able to create you know, areas where he can operate and use his mobility. I got, I, gotta, I gotta stop you there because I'm assuming that most people have just heard your statement there on Hopkins for the first time. I'm hearing it for the first yeah. time. So just, just break it down for me real quick. Just a reminder, we're brought to you by Mako. Roll out refreshed with Mako where paint and collision repair is easier and safer. Um, just explain to me, if I, if, I, if I heard you wrong, yeah. addition by subtraction in Sometime. losing DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Dig into that, please. Because one, <laughs> it allowed them to, they got a running back that's you know modern day McCaffrey. Remember before David Johnson got hurt, that's what he was. And they were betting on maybe he can do that. You know, but also being able to get cooks, being able to get steals. If Fuller's healthy, 
that gives them three guys that run sub four three. That's going to open the fill up for David Johnson to operate. But also, you know, if you decide to play man to man or you decide to say, hey, I got to double two of these guys with two man. Then what happens is now when your back's turned, that gives Watson the opportunity to use his athleticism, be able to kill you with his legs, much like Lamar Jackson can do. And I understand that, you know, Hopkins was a great player, but, you know, being able to get a guy like Cooks, Stills, Fuller, gives them the speed of a, of a, of a Kansas City to be able to stretch the field. Hopkins was a great uh, player. But he also was a guy that really didn't get vertical a lot. He was a guy that was more of an in-between possession receiver, Andre Johnson type. This gives them a track squad, which has shown it's been proven that it opens the whole field up for everybody. That's an interesting perspective. I had not heard that before. How about this? This is a quote that has been mentioned a million times, but it really needs to be brought back out. And I think it was this weekend when you look at the money that was spent on Deshaun Watson. You know, it's been it's been a little bit of a rough off season for Dabo Sweeney. He's probably put his foot in his mouth a couple times. <laughs> Storm <too> Normandy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to come back from everything. Uh, and I and I understand where he's coming from, and he may get the last lap because the ACC is going to play some football for yeah. sure. But he was very famous in saying, and he, uh, you know, he didn't take a lot of heat for it, but the hyperbolic nature of the comment, you know, look, if you pass on Deshaun Watson, you're passing on Michael Jordan. I just want to let you know that. Yeah. And people, I wouldn't say roll their eyes, but they said, listen, the kid's great. Like you said, he's a winner, but like Jordan's Jordan. Um, but if you kind of take a look at the early trajectory of his oh, career, yeah. considering you and Mike just talked about how difficult it is to find a quarterback right. or one you really believe in, Dabble tried to tell us some people listened and like some people in Chicago didn't. You know, and that's some people finals words. You know what I mean? I want to go back to Uncle TB and what he was talking about. Listen, Andy Dalton, we wouldn't call him elite. If you put his record up in a tougher division, he was nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five, ten and five, ten and three. I argue to say that you have an equal quarterback in your locker room, in Andy Dalton. And I know sometimes we make fun of the Red Rifle and all that stuff, but he's just as decorated as Dak Prescott. No question about it. So we'll wait to see. Football is back. It's a great week. Texans, Chiefs, Thursday night to kick off the season. Then the full slate on Sunday. Monday night on ESPN, the debut of Joe Judge, Ben Roethlisberger back, Steelers, Giants, and then the Titans. Uh, It's like a holiday when football comes back. Titans-Broncos. Remember that Titans-Broncos game last year was the game that they replaced Mariota with Tannehill. On the way, why Bart thinks Josh Rosen is indeed a legit NFL starter. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.